Hey there, this is Bo James, and on behalf of the Wix Church of the Nazarene, I just want to say thank you for joining us. I believe there is something for you in this message, and I pray that it will help you grow your faith. Enjoy. Turn with me to John chapter 17 today. We've journeyed over the past seven weeks through the I am statements that Jesus made. Jesus is the bread. He is the light. He is the gate. He is the good shepherd. He is the resurrection. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And then last week he is the vine. How many of you saw my Facebook, that little baby and the, yeah. As soon as I saw that video, I was like, that was the look on everybody that won their Olive Garden cards last week. So we started this series, and, you know, I kind of feared when I started that series, I was like, eh, this, this can be common sometimes. Like, it's something, if you've been in the church a little while, you've probably heard it preached on, you, you know it, you've read it. Um, and sometimes when I'm doing a passage, I, I, you know, because especially if I've planned it ahead, I'm just like, eh. I don't know. I don't know how this is going to turn out, but it turned into the most amazing experience. I don't know if anyone else can testify to that or not. Um, Maybe it was just pastor's experience, but to me, the word came alive, and I learned things. um, God spoke new truths through those statements that I had never considered before, and so, you know, as we left here last week, I was thinking about all that we had learned over those seven weeks, and over and over, um, we were reminded that Jesus was preparing his disciples, right, for that climax moment of his ministry here on the earth, Um, that throughout the book of John, it is the preparation for the disciples when Jesus is crucified and resurrected again. And especially these last couple of weeks, we began to feel the urgency that Jesus had at the Last Supper as he was giving those last thoughts to his disciples. We felt that urgency in his words. So last week when we completed the series and I walked away, I thought, this feels unfinished to me. (laughs) That was supposed to have been the end last week. And I thought, because I I had a whole other sermon planned for today, kind of penciled in to go with our offering of thanks, and, you know, it's Thanksgiving, but I just kept feeling like it was unfinished. And so I began to read. I just picked up where we left off last week, and I began to read. And this week, when I come to chapter 17, the prayer of Jesus... I figured it out. It wasn't finished yet. It's really an eight-week kind of series. You see, it was the practice for someone, especially in the Jewish culture, even the Hellenistic culture, it was a practice when they were finished, when they were leaving somebody, they would pray over them. They would leave their company with a, a prayer. Let's read Jesus' prayer together this morning. I'm going to kick off shoes because I feel like these heels are making noise that I don't want Bo picking up online. And sometimes it just feels holy and you just need to be barefoot. 
After saying all of these things, now remember, we're at the Last Supper, and Jesus knows when this is done, this is the final word, everything changes. Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now we know that everything I have is a gift from you, for I have possessed, on, I have passed on to them the, the message you gave me, and they accepted it and know that I came from you, and they believe you sent me. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me, because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Now I am departing from this world, and they are staying in this world, but I am coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name, so that they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that not one was lost except the one headed for destruction, as the scriptures foretold. Now I am coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world, so they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love me, love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. Oh, righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. Lord, this is your word. And your final prayer to us. May it change us because of who you are. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, after all of these things, after all the teaching moments, after all the I am statements, 
after all that Jesus shared with them, these last couple of chapters was all in the, the last supper, the last meal he had with them. After all of these things, he shared this prayer. And before we even absorb the prayer, I want you to first even look at the position of Jesus praying, right? It said, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, prayer has no definitive stance. Sometimes we get stuck in what we think prayer should look like. And I don't know if you've ever had somebody pray with you and look straight at you when they do it. It almost weirds you out a little bit. Like, I bet that if I said the word, let us pray, what do we automatically do? Head down, eyes closed. Nothing wrong with that. I just bowed my head as as the praise team was singing. I needed that moment of closing off in my closet for just a minute. That's okay. It's a stance we take in prayer. But Jesus didn't do that here. He, He prayed looking up. He's open. You know, when uh, I was ordained this summer, um, one of the pastors had us ordinands gathered, and he said, I want to pray for you guys. Well, naturally, as soon as he said that, all of us ordinands did this. And he began his prayer, and you know how you do. You you bow your head, but you still peek, right? Anybody peek? Who peeks? Alex used to rat his sister out. Brittany was looking. Well, how'd you know unless you were looking? Like, son, you gave yourself up, right? <laughs> and, and I remember looking up, and the pastor was praying, but his eyes was open, and then it, it confused me. And I thought, wait, is he praying or is he still talking to us? Because I was trying to figure out, should I be looking at him or should I be praying? I don't know what I'm doing, you know. And it took a few words to figure out, no, he's praying, but he was looking at us, everyone. And I thought of that as I was reading Jesus' prayer. Because that's what he's doing. He's looking at his disciples and he's praying to the Father. And that's okay. And I wanted to throw that into you because of a conversation I had with somebody recently. And they was just like, I just never knew I could pray like that. Prayer has no definitive stance. Because sometimes you're flat on the floor. Sometimes you're on your knees. Sometimes you're just sitting in your recliner, right, Miss Diane? And I know the glory will fall on you just where you're at. So there were three emphases in this prayer. There's three blocks we can break it into. So the first block, verses 1 through 8, Jesus pretty much is praying for himself. He's praying over the coming conclusion of his ministry, of going back to the Father. This is about Jesus finishing what God sent him here to accomplish. In fact, I love that if you read through that, he's he's almost talking as if he's already finished it. And we know he hasn't been to the cross yet, but he knows. When the amen hits, it starts, and this is going to be completed. He knew. And he said in verse 4, Jesus brought glory to God by what? Completing the work. Completing the work. Church, don't give up. Too often we give up because maybe things don't go the way we want it, right? But we bring glory to God when we complete what he gives us. 
to accomplish. He does all the hard work, by the way. But now, let's review because John 3.16 was what? For this is how God loved the world. He sent his only son so that everyone who what? Believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Remember, he didn't come to condemn us. He came to save us. And then in verse 2, it said in verse 2 that he gives eternal life to each one you have given him. Each one that you have given him. Sorry, my iPad just said, nope, I'm going to go blank on you. If you like to take notes like I do, <laughs> sorry, Claudette, I always think of you on this. Highlight that Bible, Claudette. We're going we're gonna to get her to one of these days, girls. I'm going to buy you a special Bible. Can I do that? Can I buy you a special Bible that you can write in? <laughs> she has shared with us in our studies, she said, I can't write in the Bible. I just can't. Don't ever look at my Bible, Claudette, all right? Because it, it's marked up. But let me tell you, if you highlight, if you underline, or, or maybe you've got your phone app open, you want to highlight it in that, verse 3. And this is the way to have eternal life. Are you ready? To know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. The one true God. Understand what Jesus was saying here because he lived in a culture, and guess what? So do we, where there were many gods. Other religions would have gods for every rock, every water, everything that the air blew almost, right? But he said to have eternal life is to know the one true God. That was an important statement there, the true God. In other words, he's like, I know there's all these other ways, but eternal life only comes from the one true God. And he knew also, not just other religions, by the way, he knew that the Jewish leaders had begun to shift into making their own God according to the law. Church, we can easily create our own version of God sometimes, even as Christians. That honestly is not the one true God. And so that was very big, very key, because remember John 14? What did he say? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So eternal life is all about knowing the one true God and Jesus Christ, whom he sent. Now, it struck me as funny because it's like he's talking third person about himself here. Because he says, Jesus Christ. Why did he not say the one true God and me? And I think there's a couple of different reasons. First of all, he was speaking out loud for others. Do you understand that? Like, prayer does not have to be out loud. Like, you and God can have a private conversation, right? 
So when Jesus spoke his prayers out loud, it was purposeful so that the people near him would be able to hear this conversation. So he wanted them to understand completely. And I think also we forget sometimes that Jesus didn't come for his own self, for his ministry. He came to point people to the one true God. And so he never wanted to have himself be the full focus. And you're like, but wait, isn't he the focus of what we... Listen to me. We're drawn to Jesus because of the cross and what he did for us. But he was always pointing us to the Father. We're drawn to his love that he showed for us. But his love was to point us to the love of the Father. Who says, I want to redeem you, my child. I'm not finished with you. I want us to be one together. So I think that explains a little of the, the way he spoke that. Now, sometimes there are little side notes when I'm studying the word that just, it rocks my world. It gets me so excited in the theological sense. And this is my little side note that just, I could do a whole sermon just on verse 5. I mean, like... I'm so glad no one was here with me Friday as I was reading through this because I just got to clapping and got excited and just got tickled reading God's word by myself. Verse 5, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. Man, y'all didn't even say amen, hallelujah, nothing. That means y'all don't get it yet. Bring me into the glory that we shared before the world began. In the beginning, God created. Jesus Christ was there. You know that, right? Like, And I know that you know that. Sometimes we know it here. But this verse just made me know it here. And it gets me so excited. Because Jesus was there. He just admitted he was there. We're watching The Chosen. We haven't got to season two yet. But my very, very, very favorite thing in season two is when Jesus is with John. And John is trying to put together the book we've been studying. And and him and Jesus are looking at the scrolls because Jesus is trying to decide which one to read. And as they are going through the scrolls, uh, John picks out the one from Genesis in the beginning. And if you don't pay attention, you'll miss it because Jesus says, oh, that's one of my favorite memories. He was there. And this, this excites me, church, because Jesus wasn't something God thought up later. Jesus didn't come into being the moment Mary gave birth. Jesus always was. That's why he's part of the Trinity. That's why when I say that I, I just, you know, I don't put a lot of extra thought into it. I believe Genesis happened the way it happened. Do you know why? Because Jesus says I was there. And he, he was a good Jewish man, by the way. Which means he knew 
the Old Testament as we know it, the Torah, he would have known that word for word, not just because he was God, because he was taught as a Jewish young man to know the word. So he knew what the book of Genesis said. He didn't correct it. He didn't edit it. He didn't say, well, I was there. Let me, let me tell you how it really happened. You know what I'm saying? So I can trust it. Because Jesus knew it, and he didn't correct it. Now, I'm sorry if y'all just don't get the theological joy I got out of that one statement. But I love when I read Jesus saying something that confirms what we know. That wasn't something that I read in a commentary that some... Jesus said, I was there. I was there with you, Father. And that's the glory we're going to come together again. Now, moving on, verse 6, he talks about revealing God. What does that mean? I have revealed you. Or, or maybe your version may have said, I manifested your, your name. Jesus was saying he's enabled people to see what the real nature of God is like. Because sometimes, church, we get the wrong idea about who God is. And it would have been very easy for the Jewish people. They had all these laws they had to follow, right? Man, and you messed up one law, and whew, then it, it just threw chaos into your whole worship service. You couldn't go worship, you, you know. And it would be very easy to think of God as some old grump just trying to keep us in line. I think it's very easy for us to think that today sometimes, when all we hear is don't do this and don't do that and don't do this. But Jesus... His life enabled people to see the true character of who God is. That's what he's talking about when he says, I revealed your name. The life that Jesus lived, the words that he spoke, was to give us the true character of who God was and is today. But what is all this talk then about being gods and, and then giving them to Jesus? You know, sometimes people, is this where, where they're talking about um, the whole predestination, only certain people, God already knows who's going to be saved? No. No. We are all created by God. Every person on this earth created by God. So we are his creation. But... We all have also sinned, and sin separates us from God. No, Bo, I'm not going into the gospel. He, he, he's getting ready. He's like, she's giving the gospel. But John chapter 6, verse 44 says, For no one can come to me, this was Jesus talking, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. Church, the Spirit draws us to Jesus Christ. That's what he's talking about. That's what God has a plan and a purpose for every person he creates. But we can reject it. It's called free will. We make choices. And our choices sometimes separate us from God. But the Spirit is always always trying to call us back. Always trying to call us into a place of repentance, of saying, God, I'm sorry, and I need to turn away from the way life is. 
He has that plan. So that was the first part of his prayer. The second part of his prayer, starting with verse 9, Jesus was praying for the disciples that are sitting there at the Last Supper with him. All right, he's praying for the disciples. He says, my prayer is not for the world, he said, but for those you have given me because they belong to you. He's praying specifically for these disciples sitting at the table. Jesus says he watched over them while he was here. In other words, while he was physically on earth, he said, I've I've watched over them, I've led them, I've, I've tried to teach them the truth, and I've tried to keep them together. And now he's praying for God to continue that work when he leaves and comes back. You see, his prayer is basically that he wants these disciples to remain faithful, unite it, and commit it. He wants that for his church even today. Look at verse 15. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is the truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. Church, we are set apart to look different But we are to still be in this world. And there is a difference from being in the world and being of the world. And Jesus said, I'm not trying to take you out of this world, by the way. In other words, church, we're not a private club. Y'all know that, right? Shake your head. Make pastor feel better. We are not a private club. Because God's Spirit is calling every, every person. Every person. So he's saying, I'm not taking them out. But he said, keep them safe from what? From all illness? Nope. From all hard things in life? Nope. From the evil one. From the evil one that is going to test them and make them want to give up their faith. You see, Jesus understood after the resurrection what these disciples would be going through. He understood the beatings. He understood the real persecution. We, we don't know persecution. He understood what they would go through. And he said, I want you to protect them from the evil one. In other words, the soul. Remember that that Zoe, the eternal life? That's what he wants protected. It means we still go through everything broken in this world that others do. It's a human body from the day we're born, we're dying. But he wanted to protect the heart and soul of who they was so they would not walk away from their faith. And I know there's many of you that know what I'm talking about when you have faced the trials and you were ready to walk away from your faith. Because you were afraid God wasn't listening. You was afraid that he don't understand, he don't love me, right? So he said, I I want you to keep them safe from the evil one. Because he knew, he knew what was coming. 
And he said, make them holy, Lord. Sanctify them. Maybe your version says sanctify them. By your truth. Your word is truth. That is why I'm so excited. We're almost done. What do we got? Six, seven more weeks of the Bible reading plan. And then Patricia, she's probably watching online. Maybe today she can quit beating us all up and making us feel bad because she reads it every day and we don't. (laughs) I'm going to catch up on the book of Acts. I'm, I'm almost there. I'm almost there. But getting in the word is how God sanctifies us. Why? Because we get to know the true God. That's where you're going to find it. It doesn't mean there's not outside, um, you know, sometimes I read somebody's book, say a Max Lucado, that's just the first author that came to mind. But, you know, we can read books, but that's their perspective on a scripture. And yes, it's enlightening sometimes. But just like that verse 5, that was my revelation from God this week. When's the last time you had a revelation from God? You got to open the word. You got to open and know the word. Now, again, if you like to take notes, you like to highlight things, um, I'm going to suggest you highlight verse 18. Jesus said, again, he's praying for his disciples, just as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. Every week I tell you what when you leave here, go and be a blessing to others. We are a sent people. We are called to go, not to come, to go. We, we took up an offering, yes, missions, missions, we are missional people, we send our missionaries, but it's here locally too. It's here locally too. Thomas, um, our drawings, I, I need four names. I don't know what you was told at the door, but I have goodies. There's a whole story behind that. Sweets, treats, and Goodies, whatever. I don't know. Yeah, give me a name. Wow, that name like jumped out of that whole. Emily Ford. Where'd Emily go to? All right, come forward, Emily. Emily, do you like brownies, chocolate chip, or oatmeal? You get one. Brownies. Good luck with Riley on this one now. Give me another name. Paula Jewel, brownies, chocolate chip, or oatmeal? Oatmeal. Oatmeal is good with the coffee. You don't drink coffee, do you? Oh, do you? Finally, you got old enough. Good job. Robin Driver. Robin, I'm down to chocolate chip or brownies. Chocolate chip. And last one, Woo, Mr. Leon, Miss Levine, you want to come get it for him or somebody come get it and take it to him? I won't make him. All right, Emily will. There you go. He gets the other brownies. He's like, I'm getting what? Now, here's the kicker. Y'all know there's always a kicker with me, right? Those are giving plates. Underneath, you'll, you'll read it later. Those are your treats to eat, but it's a giving plate, which means now you have to pass it on to somebody else. And no, you can't do it for Braylon. You can't do it for your husband. 
I don't want you doing this for just your family. I want you to get out of your house and go visit somebody and give them a goodie. Now, here's the other kicker, because y'all are like, oh, BJ, like I need it one more thing. Okay, who had the brownies? Who were Leon and Emily? Okay, they got the only thing I cooked homemade today because I didn't have time. And the Arkansas game just frustrated me last night, and I wasn't in the cooking mood when that was over, right? They did good, I know that, but that close. The others, the cookies, thank you, Dollar General. And thank you, Thomas, for going to Dollar General. So if you don't like the choices, blame him. He picked them out. So my, my purpose here is, you're, you know, maybe you're like, I don't cook. Then put some Little Debbies on that plate. Who doesn't like a Christmas tree Little Debbies? Amen. I, I, I like them this time of year. Maybe you go to Walmart, you buy a pie and put on that plate. I ain't telling you it has to be homemade. I'm telling you, you just got to go love on somebody. Maybe it's somebody that hasn't been in several months to church. Maybe it's somebody that doesn't go to church. That's why I'm purposely telling you don't make this, I don't want to see this on your family Thanksgiving table. I, we know you love all them people. I want you to go purposely love on somebody for Jesus with these trays. And just see how far it goes. Robin's looking at me like, BJ, I just don't like you today. <laughs> A lot of homework. <laughs> I just said you can go buy it. You don't even have to. You can even go make your mama make it, maybe, and put it on your plate. How's that? That's not going to happen. For for a small donation, Miss Dorothy might make something to put on there. I don't know. <laughs> Anybody love our our fellowship last week? Yes, it. I ain't never seen, y'all been saving up. That was more food than I've ever seen in my entire life last week, I tell you. But see, Jesus said, Father, you sent me here. Now these disciples, I'm sending them into the world. See, it's easy for us to, to just come in and get comfortable on a Sunday morning. And we forget what we're meant to do. I can make contacts with people all through the week, but I may only contact five to ten people. What if every one of you contacted one person this week for Jesus? Do you see the multiplication that's happening there? That's what, that's what was intended. Well, the next thing that Jesus began to pray for, and I love this, he gets really personal. Starting in verse 20, he begins to pray for everyone now that the disciples will share the message with. That they're going to believe in Jesus because these disciples are going to continue what he's doing. And that gets, that gets personal. I want you to understand that. Go back today and read this. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will believe in me through their message. That's you and me. And can you can you just picture that just for a moment? That in that moment, maybe our names flash through Jesus' mind? Kind of like what Alvin was talking about, Grandpa Bob praying for those that he didn't even know yet. That's what Jesus was doing. The ones that would not physically see him and still believe. 
And he was depending on those disciples to do that work. Verse 21, verse 21 said, I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. Claudette, I wrote in my Bible again, one. He wanted us to be one. One with him, because when we're one with Jesus, we're one with the Father. And then one together. And verse 23, he even went further. He said, may they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Oh, church, this is one we got to get right. Because the problem today, we're losing the unity. To the non-believers, they're not seeing unity in the church. They're seeing some denominations that are beginning to crumble from inside. They're seeing other denominations too busy pointing at that denomination, and then and y'all don't believe the way I believe in it. No. There are messages up and down this highway being preached this morning, and it don't all say Nazarene over the door. And I had an uncle who was a preacher for Assembly of God, and the thing he used to tell me all the time, he said, the name over that door is not what gets you to heaven. Because that's not what Jesus said a while ago. He didn't say eternal life comes from the Nazarene church. Don't tell my boss I said that, okay? I have a new boss, so we won't tell him that yet. No, he said, knowing the true God, and Jesus Christ, who he sent, that's eternal life. So perfect unity does not mean we all look alike. It doesn't mean that we all come from the same background, it means maybe maybe you were baptized as a kid, maybe this one's baptized as an adult, maybe this one's sprinkled, this one's dunked, this one's poured. That's not what perfect unity is. Last week we talked about Jesus being the vine, and what did he tell us? He said, remain in me, because apart from me you can do nothing. So much divides our world right now. And unfortunately, we've brought it into the church. And we need to be careful of what people are seeing the church. We can disagree. We can disagree. We can vote different. We can disagree. And we can have different passions about different things. But we have to remain in Jesus Christ as one. We have to remain in Jesus Christ as one. And when the world sees a broken church, see, the problem becomes they no longer see the sun. And if they can't see Jesus, then they no longer can see the Father. Because Jesus said, Father, you and I are one. I want to be one with them as well. You see the chain that happens? But when, when things get 
broken apart. And when I say church, remember I'm meaning big C church, not this congregation, not our denomination. I'm talking all church, big C church. And Jesus said, the world doesn't know you, but I do. Church, we we keep acting like the world should be operating on our Christian values. But Jesus said, the world doesn't know God. The world first has to know Jesus to know the Father. And they do that by seeing Jesus in you and me. So those giving plates, I don't expect you to go give some big evangelistic spiel. I just want you to go love somebody. And I want you to tell them, this is just a giving plate, and I'm not supposed to keep this plate, so I'm passing it to you, and and I hope you'll pass it to somebody else. Pay it forward to somebody else. Period. I don't care if you say our church name with that. I don't care. Because it's not about growing this church. It's about growing the kingdom. And people need to see the love of Jesus in his disciples. And then Jesus, he ends with this. I have revealed you to them and I will continue to do so. And then your love for me will be in them and I'll be in them. There's a chain there. Jesus knew things were changing. He knew as soon as he stepped out of the room, things would change. And there was no going back. What does that mean for you and I today? Jesus prayed for himself. He prayed for the disciples. He prayed for new believers that would hear the gospel from them disciples. It's amazing to believe that when Jesus prayed for new believers, that's you and me. But church, today, when you read that prayer again, you and I are the disciples now. We're no longer the ones to come. We have become the disciples And I'm not asking you, Lord, to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one while they're in the world. And then church, hear Jesus' prayer. He said, I'm praying not only for for these disciples, but for the ones who are going to believe in Jesus because of the message you carry out of here. Man, everybody just said, more homework? (laughs) I heard that oppressive feel. Church, you need to get joyous that we have this responsibility. Because I know that you felt joy the moment God forgave you. I know that you felt such relief when you understood that the true God sent his son to die for your sin. And that's a message he wants us to share with everybody. So as we go into our holiday season, I know it's crazy. I'm ready to burn my calendar. But how about if we just look at every one of those opportunities to love on somebody? When we do our movie and lights, I know we want to enjoy it, but what if we focused for one night on loving others and just being a servant and being a smile for somebody 
And when they bring their kids in and their kids are screaming at the top of their lungs and you're thinking they're ruining the whole experience, just try to love on them. Maybe sit with a mama and help her keep all the kids together or whatever. Or maybe when that kid is going through the light show, the light trail, and one breaks loose and takes off, and I didn't say Jackson, but you get the idea. Other kids are like that too, especially if they see something, right? Maybe we just help out and we just be the hands and feet of Jesus for one night. Because we're to be in the world. We are sent to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And maybe this week, maybe you just look for that one opportunity to be the first view of Jesus somebody sees. Stand with me this morning, church. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for what you did for us. I thank you for the cross. I thank you for the resurrection. And I thank you for entrusting us as the messengers. And Lord, today as we stand before you as your disciples, ones who have already accepted that message, may we feel your urgency to continue the ministry. Maybe someone in here, maybe this is the day for you to say yes to Jesus. Maybe you are not a disciple yet. Today is your day. Because he was sent for everyone and God is drawing each of us to him. Today is your day to say yes. When you leave here today, I pray over your people, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will go with them. He lives inside of us. And may he protect each disciple here today by your name to keep them from the evil one. No matter what this week throws at us, no matter what we're already dealing with, God, may your spirit just speak truth and peace and comfort. And God, I know there may be some families here or online that, God, I know that this may be a hard week. May your comforter be with them. And God, may we remember in all that we do, whether face-to-face, whether online in our social media, may we always be a representative of who you are. And may they see our love for you so that they can be drawn to you as well. God, go with your people today. May they be blessed. And God, may they be a blessing to others. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I hope you received exactly what you needed from that message. If you want to connect with us, you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, or you can always find us in person if you're in the area. If you'd like to support our ministries, you can find us on Tithely. Thank you to those who support our church. I hope you will subscribe and join us on the next one. And remember, you are loved.